We, we are in the fourth week of our series entitled The Jesus Way, a conversation on the ways that Jesus is indeed the way. And uh, what we've been doing over the past few weeks is um, interviewing people who, who kind of live that out uh, in their lives through service to our community, through New Heights, as well as other areas of the church and, and the community. And, and uh, the last couple of weeks, we've seen people from uh, the programming uh, team, which is the, the team, the ministry that, that puts on Sunday mornings and kind of is the driving force behind the the presentation end of things. And, and uh, the, the week before that, we had somebody from the chair team who, as it implies, works with the chairs. Um, they put the chairs up every Sunday morning so that you don't have to sit on the floor. And trust me, if you know what goes on in this room during the week, you would not want to sit on the floor. Um, so that, that is a wonderful ministry, both of those in their own right. And, and last week I talked about spiritual gifts and, and how certain gifts are, are geared towards certain things. And the first two ministries we talked about, really, you could have any gift. You could have the gift of prophecy and set up a chair. You could have the gift of preaching and set up a chair. Yeah, that's right. I've set up chairs before. You could have the gift of anything um, and, and work on the chair team as well as really the programming team. We need all gifts brought together in that area to give us that creative edge. The ministry that we're going to be speaking about today is not the case. Um, this is a very specific and specialized ministry, and uh, for that we have uh, someone up here, and I answered all of his questions for him last service, so I'm not going to do that this time. Uh, what is your name and where do you serve? I can't believe that you don't even know my name. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Richard Zander, and I'm in the music ministry. Um, I, pl- I play bass and guitar. Hey, don't get ahead of me. Sorry. Is that? Sorry. Great, Richard. It's great to meet you. Hey, what exactly do you do on this ministry? <clears throat> Michael, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I play fill-in bass. Play for bass when Lawrence isn't here, and I play electric guitar occasionally. How did you get involved with the worship team? Um, first Sunday, or one of the one of the first Sundays, um, we came to New Heights. Yannicka, was it the first Sunday? Yeah, first Sunday we came to New Heights. Um, Daryl had an opening, and he announced that he needed someone to come in and uh, start uh, playing bass. So I volunteered and sent a recommendation for someone else as well. And, and so you now probably understand what I mean by it's a specific and specialized ministry uh, because, well, you've got to be able to play an instrument or sing. Um, I know many of you like to sing, but you can't, okay? Let's just get it out there on the table. Like my wife, Jenna, loves to sing. And we'll be up here in the front row, 930 service, and just top of her, can't carry a tune. I can't sing either, uh, but I love to. So, And I, I actually used to be uh, on the worship team here in New Heights, and... Um, one of the things I cannot do is sing and uh, do uh, rhythm at the same time. Um, they would give me an egg to shake, and then it was just a train wreck. So uh, they asked me not to come back. Um, I'm over it, though. Uh, is, is this the only ministry that you serve here at the church? Um, yes, it is. Why do you serve? Um, that's a good question. You know, why I serve is a couple of different reasons. Um, One of them is that, you know, the scriptures say that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And our actions, well, and that's what James is all about too, right? Our actions, show me your faith, show me your deeds, and I'll show you your faith. Show me your faith, show me your deeds. Um, And I can talk about Christianity. I can say I love you. I can tell my wife I love her. But if I don't bring her coffee in bed occasionally... 
I don't really love her. <laughs> At least that's what she tells that me. That apply to every relationship. <laughs> just want to get that just on saying. the table. That's just theirs. Okay, go ahead. So my service is my way of showing the Lord that I love him. It's also my way of serving other people, if I, especially if I play well. If I play poorly, it's not very good service, but, uh, <laughs> but it's my way of serving our community, our New Heights community. What keeps you serving? What keeps you coming back? Um, you mean, is this it? <laughs> I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to come back. That's right. <laughs> this is your way of. Thank you for your time of service. Yeah, that's. Um, the door. Exactly. What keeps me coming back is actually well. One of the things is that we have a very good time together. Um, we're a team. You know, we practice together, and that's one reason why I'm only filling because I travel quite a bit, so I, I can't attend. Uh, many of the practices, but where I can, I do, and we have a very good time together. Um, obviously, I've talked about the fact that it's part of Christianity for me. It's part of serving and loving Jesus Christ is doing that. And then, um, and I appreciate very much the opportunity to serve under our esteemed band leader, Daryl, <laughs> who is awesome, and we all love him. And under Michael Crocker, yeah. our esteemed pastor. Let's hear it for Michael and Daryl. Huh? Yeah. 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 Uh, clearly, we have our fill of comedians on the worship team, so you don't need that. But uh, is there any advice you have for anybody who would be considering this ministry? Absolutely. For this ministry team, no question. You need to talk to Daryl or, or Michael or any of us up here and say you'd like to serve. And really, for any ministry team... My encouragement or my advice is get out and serve. It doesn't matter if we're putting up chairs or taking down chairs or serving tacos or whatever it is. We ought to be doing something um, to show Jesus we love him and to serve our community. Um, and, and as I said at the beginning of this, that it is a very specialized ministry. And they do go through an audition process. They go through a music audition process. Uh, if they're a vocalist, they go through a vocal audition and then they go through a uh, theological uh, interview with me. Um, they come up to my office and we, uh, we talk about God and, and where they stand. Because this is such a public face of our ministry, um, we want to make sure who's standing up here uh, actually, you know, like believes in Jesus Christ and stuff. So uh, we do have that whole aspect of it. That being said, um, you might have noticed um, one of our vocalists uh, getting bigger. Um, I mean, Daryl just got his hair cut, but uh, August, uh, August is about to have a baby um, in eight days, uh, and we're very excited for uh, she's not back, uh, very excited for her. Um, I think John will be involved somewhat, also her husband. Uh, but uh, if we don't get any female vocalists, it will be the Kingston Trio up here. You know, Jeff, Daryl, and Fredo back there. Anybody know who the Kingston Trio is? Only old people. Raise your hand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it'll be uh, people. It'll be a men's. It'll be boy as you know, a boys group uh, and a boy band. And we need females. So if you're a female vocalist, if you've ever served in the, I don't know, the vocal ministry before, and you're sitting on the second row in the second seat, and your name's Annette. Uh, if you have ever, uh, if you ever have a gift of vocal and you're a female, please come uh, talk to Daryl or, or myself afterwards, and uh, and we would love to to have you. It is a big time commitment. I will say that, and that is why Annette actually no longer she has kids and whatever mom. Um, it is a big time commitment. These guys do put in a lot of hours of service for their ministry, much more so than something like the chair team, 
which is once a month, 20 minutes. Uh, it is a big commitment, and we really appreciate all the people who give of their time uh, to come and to, to practice on Wednesday nights, to practice when they're at home, and then to come early Sunday mornings to, uh, to pull it all together. Uh, so if that does interest you and, and you do have a gift of music, um, as, as my PE coach used to say in seventh grade, use it or lose it. Uh, so there you go. Let us pray for uh, Richard and the worship team. Let's fire ahead. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for Richard, for, uh, for the gifts that you've given him. And Lord, I thank you also that he has recognized those gifts and heard your call, and he has answered that he serves in our worship ministry. Lord, I thank you for that worship ministry, for the, the men and women who give of their time to, uh, to really use their gifts to worship and praise you and to lead us all through this incredible journey that they take us on on, on a Sunday-by-Sunday Sunday basis. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the gifts that you've given them and the ways in which they use them. We pray your direction and guidance for them as they seek to serve you, that you would continually set their path in front of them. Lord, we thank you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Mr. Zander. And now, uh, we, we usually do this at the end of the service, but uh, this time, because of the way I'm ending the service, we need to do it right now. Uh, if you are joining uh, the church today, been through the membership class and are uh, joining, would you come forward and come join me on stage? John, a little travel music, if you will, since they're all slow to come. Keep coming. Keep coming. Valerie, how's it going? All right, this is actually our largest membership class of New Heights in a long, long time because um, we don't talk about membership much in here. But we have, um, but this is Valerie Mead, and then we have, uh, <coughs> this is Daryl's little sister, Fran. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there she is. She is not going to like that. Uh, this is Frances and, and her new husband, Jeff Downing. And uh, then we have Carl and Melissa Olson. And then uh, Jonathan and well, Jonathan and Sarah, I'm about to marry them, so I was going to call them the Owenses, but they're not yet. Sarah McMurray and Jonathan Owens, um, who have all completed the, uh, the membership class. And they did it. Y'all did it on Sundays, right? Uh, Sunday, the Sunday class. And it's, I think, four classes now. And uh, we basically run you through the whole pledge time and they've been through their their pledge week and all that stuff and uh, they know the secret handshake and so now it's time for me to ask them the two questions uh do you uh, believe that jesus christ is your savior and put trust in him him as your lord will you support this part of the body of christ with your prayers your presence your gifts your service and your witness in that case i uh, welcome you all to uh this part of the the body of christ alma heights united methodist church and they will be hanging around afterwards you don't know this, but they'll be hanging around afterwards up here. Uh, if you would, come by and just welcome them as new members of our church. <clears throat> yeah, seriously, Fran is going to uh, get me for that. Oh, I have name tags for you, but that's all right. Um, <clears throat> we are in the, the fourth week of, of, the seri- of the series entitled The Jesus Way, a conversation in the ways that Jesus is the way, and it is taking us up to Easter. And what we've been doing through these, this process is we've been following this book written by Eugene Peterson. And uh, Eugene Peterson, you might know him from, he is the author of The Message, uh, which is an interpretation of the Bible that is set in contemporary language. And some people love it. Some people uh, think it's blasphemy. 
there's that extreme uh, in that in that area of his work there. Uh, but uh, he's an incredible theologian. He's an incredible uh, person on, on thought, and he's really smart. Okay, I'm just going to put it that way. If you're reading the, through the book, you know that there are uh, is big word after big word after big word in each sentence. Like it's how many syllables can I put into one sentence, uh, essentially? And and so it is very thought provoking if you can see your way through that. Uh, and and I will tell you this that. As I've gone through the book, it has become easier and easier to read. Uh, so he, he starts you off high, and then he comforts you into a, a nice, comfortable reading. So I encourage you, if you haven't picked one of them up, just pick it up and, uh, and read through it. As Daryl said, there are those classes. Uh, tonight, it's actually at 5 o'clock. Uh, he said 6, but it's 5 o'clock in the parlor. And then there's also the Tuesday and Thursday morning classes at 10. Those are taught alternatively by David and Donna. And uh, I would encourage you to go to that because... They are much smarter uh, than I am on these things. <clears throat> Baseball, not so much. Football, not even close. But this, yes. So today we're going to talk about something that I think is going to give a lot of you, I think this is going to be some of you, your favorite sermon ever. And it's not because of the way that I present it, but it's what I have to say. And it's not because I'm any really smart person, but really and truly and honestly, if you are trying to live your life like Jesus, and you just can't get there, it's okay. There you go. It's okay. If you're failing, it's all right. My father used to tell me in school if I failed, he would do horrible things to me. Anybody else have a dad like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, if I failed, he, you know, he, put, he didn't want to put a lot of pressure on me, but my brother is just like the super genius dude, really smart nerd guy and everything. I'm the cool one in my family. My sister's the athletic one. I'm the cool, well-rounded one, I always like to say, because I'm kind of smart and kind of athletic, but neither one or the other. And, and my father would always go, you know, say these things and, about failure. And so I, I, I kind of at times rebelled against it, and I was like, well, what do I care? So I failed out of A&M. Woo-hoo! <laughs> that was good. The great thing was he blamed it on himself because they were living in Mexico out of the country. And I was like, that's right, Dad, it was your fault. had nothing to do with the fact that I never went to class. Um, I graduated later from a, a school that wasn't known for partying, Southwest Texas State, and uh, school formerly known as Southwest Texas. But, but the thing is about it, if you're trying, and, we, and we've been talking about this, live your life like Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you profess him as your Savior, then your job on earth is to share God's glory and to become more and more like him, working toward the, the, the word is sanctification, working toward the sanctified being. You're not going to do it. Bubble burst. You're going to fail. You're, you're going to fail. You're going to trip up. You're going to have these moments in your life where you look back and you're like, oh, what was I doing? I completely turned my back on God. Peterson on page 97 says this, sin does not expel us from our place on the way. We may be stuck, incapacitated, lost, depressed, angry, puzzled, confused, but we are still on the way. And then he goes on to quote uh, something from uh, verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 30. If thou, O Lord, shouldst mark inequities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. If God were to, to hold up a little mirror in front of all of us and say, if you see sin in this mirror, I'm going to wipe you out, none of us would be left. 
but God offers forgiveness. Nowhere, nowhere is this more evident than the, in the life of David. David is one of those great heroes of the Bible. He's one of those guys that stands amongst the crowd high and above. He, is, uh, he started his whole little life. The first thing we hear about David is he kills a giant. Well, no one else could. Armies are being slaughtered around this guy. And here comes little old David. If you're a Veggie Tales fan, you're having the, the little image of the little, you know, little pea walking up. And he has got a little slingshot, but that's another story. And, and, he, and he slaughters this giant. And boom, his, he goes forward. He's the chosen one of God. God has chosen him to be the successor. The kingdom of Israel. He will be king. And so he starts out on this journey. David. But if you look at David's life... Bathsheba? Adultery. Murder. He was cold and calculating. Somebody walked up to me afterwards and said he was a high candidate for CPS. Not the energy, child protective services. He was a horrible father. If you look at some of the aspects of his life, you're like, why would God choose this knucklehead? But then you look at some of the other aspects of his life. He had a deep passion for the Lord. I long to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He had a desperate passion and and zeal for God so much so that he danced half naked behind the ark through town. When all of his friends and his family were, oh gosh, don't do this. No. And he's just going, woo, Jesus rocks. Well, he wasn't saying Jesus, but God rocks. Going through, I don't care who knows it. He had a passion for God unlike any other. you know, truly, did you know 66 chapters of the Bible are devoted to telling his story? That's some good press right there. Dude had a good agent, right, to get that much time in the Bible. 66 chapters are devoted to... So what can you take from his story? What, what do you see from David? If you're trying to live your life like Christ, we talked about Moses and we talked about Abraham. Now we're focusing on David. What do you take from David? If you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 24. Now, one of the things that happened when God chose him to be the next king of Israel and then says something about him, you know, being more powerful than the current king, is the current king got a little nervous, as you could suspect. You know, he's, it's like if Joe Biden, somebody goes, hey, Joe, we're going to get rid of Obama and you're going to be president. Obama would be like a little nervous of Biden, wouldn't he? He'd be a little like, oh, I'm going to be, he should be nervous of him anyway, but he should be watching him and kind of a little nervous about what's going on. And this is what was happening with Saul and David. In fact, so much so that Saul wanted to kill David. And he pursued him. And he chased after him. In this one instance, uh, Saul had just come back from a, a big victory. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En So Saul chose 3,000 special troops from throughout Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. 3,000 special forces he gathers together with him to go chase David and his little band of men. He was after him. At the place where the road passes some sheepfold, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding in that very cave. Now think about it. They're in this little cave. They're hiding. They see, you know, it's not like the 3,000 special forces could sneak up on them. You know, it's like, there's 3,000 guys. 
they probably knew that they were coming. So they get into these caves. They hide in these caves. It's bright out in the desert and in Gedi, and, and you have all this thing. And then Saul goes into a cave. What happens when you go from a really light to really dark? You can't see, right? Your eyes haven't adjusted. Immediately you walk in, and it's just, this is David's opportunity. Of course, his guys say so. Now's your opportunity, David's men whisper to him. Now's your opportunity. Today is the day the Lord was talking about when he said, I will certainly put Saul into your power to do with as you wish. Then David crept forward and cut off a piece of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done it, he said to his men. It is a serious thing to attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David sharply rebuked his men and did not let them kill Saul. Now what Peterson suggests here is David's actions are contrary to what David is all about. David's, I mean, David was known for a great military man. He had killed hundreds, if not thousands, of men in his life. And he has an opportunity to get rid of the man who is chasing him down. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. So maybe you see a little bit of a glimmer of God and a, a little bit of, a, of an instance where, where David's heart was following after God. But what does he do? He goes up and he cuts off the corner of his robe. Now, now that's insignificant unless you, unless you look at the Hebrew and look at what they're talking about. The Jewish men at the time, and actually still Orthodox men, will wear them today, wear these, these prayer robes and they have little tassels on them called zitzi. And, and you might have seen them. If you've ever seen an, uh, an Orthodox Jewish man coming and seen these little tassels hanging out from beneath his shirt or his jacket or something like that, these are these zitzi tassels. And what these were is there were two things. There were one, a reminder that you are to be obedient to God. It's a reminder that God is God and you're not. You follow God, you follow God's law, you follow God's way. And then the other thing is that the word corner there is also in Hebrew the word for wing. And it, it was a reminder to them that they were under the protection, under the wing of God. So essentially what David is doing there when he goes and he cuts off this corner is he is saying that Saul has not been obedient to God and therefore is no longer under the protection of God. He wasn't living a perfect life. You know, David was looking at him and saying, well, you're not living a perfect life, so I'm going to take God's protection away from you. Huh. Man, we're good at that in the church, aren't we? We're good at looking at people's lives and deeming what's perfect and what isn't perfect. We're good at looking at people's lives and seeing the weeds in their life. Remember the parable that Jesus uses about the wheat growing up with the weeds together. And somebody says, let's go pick the weeds out. And he goes, whoa, that's not your job. But we're good at looking at people's gardens and seeing the things that are wrong in their life. Well, all the time putting ours behind us. And that's why David had this moment of conscience where, where he believed that it wasn't his job to call Saul out like that. You know, it, it was God's job to deal with Saul. It was God's job to remove the weeds from Saul's life. It was God's job to judge Saul, not David. It's not my job to go around judging each and every one of you. 
It's not my job to look at your life with a, with a little microscope and say, you know what? You're sinning here. You're sinning there. You're sinning here. You're sinning there. You're sinning here. You're sinning there. Well, all the while forgetting the things that are behind me. It's God's job. And at the same time, what I see God doing here is working through an imperfect being. I see God working through David, who was a murderer, an adulterer, a horrible father, and doing amazing things. I see God working through David, an imperfect being, and it gives me hope. It gives me hope because I know on the path to Jesus, as I try to live my life each and every day like Jesus, I'm going to have those weeds pop up in my life. I'm going to have those things come into my life that, that, I, that I'm sorry for. The things that I, I know as soon as I do it, I'm like, oh, that's something I shouldn't have done. But I know that there's forgiveness. I know that there's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus Christ and the death and his resurrection. In Psalm 32, verse 5, David says this. Finally, I confess all my sins to you and stop trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. See, that's the thing. We a lot of times want to look at the sin of the world and not the sin in our life. A lot of times as we're trying to live like Jesus, we want to project Jesus out, but not really see what's really behind all of that. We want to talk about how awesome and glorious God is and how he makes the blind to see and the lame to walk. And that is true. But we don't want to examine our own lives. Why? I don't know. Fear. Maybe we just don't want to see it. We don't want to acknowledge it. If it's, if it's not there, it, it won't be real. Maybe we're embarrassed, ashamed, whatever it is. We don't want to confront those weeds in our life. I had a moment, I went to see a movie last night. It's called Taken. Anybody seen Taken? Three or four of you? Intense movie. Uh, very intense movie. It, it was very well done. There was a little too much camera like this going on for me. But um, it, it was Liam Neeson, uh, the guy I went to see it with. He goes, I think it's Leslie Nielsen. Uh, really? From Air- No, <laughs> I don't think it's Leslie Nielsen. Dude. I think you have him confused. Yeah, Liam Neeson. And, and basically what it's about is, um, is, is the trafficking of humans it, it specifically for um the the sexual slavery industry and this morning as we were worshiping in 9:30, i could not lift the veil of that movie from my mind i was singing through the songs and going through worship but all along in my mind's eye were the images from this movie and i'm not usually like that usually i can go see a movie and as soon as i walk out of the movie pff, gone because my attention span really can't hold on to those type things. But it stuck with me, and it was grinding on me. And we were singing the song, Our God Saves. And I was just crying out to God to save those women who are in these conditions, these girls who are in these conditions, these boys that are in these conditions, that God would reach down and bring joy into their life and bring salvation and bring peace and bring comfort and bring all of these things. And then I turned my mind to the men who put them in these situations. And I went hellfire and brimstone on them. God, destroy them. 
God disciplined them. God, you know, all these different things. And I said, ooh, wait a minute. God, bring them peace. God, bring them joy. Bring them salvation. Bring them knowledge of you, of your saving grace. Bring them to repentance. Because I sat there and I was singing this song and I was thinking these things. And and then I started looking at my own life because I knew what I was going to be talking about today. And I was like, man, all sins are equal in the the eyes of God. And, And because of that, I do some things that just destroy God's heart every day. I'm no better than these guys are. Sure, in the world's eyes, maybe I am. But in God's eyes, every time I turn my back on him, I'm doing the same thing. So God, forgive me. Forgive me where I have failed you. Forgive me where I have fallen off the path. God, direct my footsteps back to you. And I was asking for repentance. And I was celebrating the fact that our God saves. That when I turn my back, when I fail, when I let my humanity take over, when I let the world drive me instead of God, I have the blood of Jesus Christ to wash me clean. Man, I was thankful for that. So right now what I want you to do, the, the worship team's coming up right now. And man, what I want you to do is I don't, I don't, you don't have to say a word. I don't even want you to say a word. I, I just want you to, to bow your heads and we're going to do silent prayer, which we never do in here. And just let God speak to your heart. Maybe there's something that's been weighing on you since I started speaking. Maybe it's been weighing on you for months and months and months. There's something maybe that you need repentance for. And you're just crying out to God, God, remove this from me. Forgive me for this act. Help me to move forward. Wash me clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. I accept it. Or maybe you're sitting there going, Nah, that's not me. Let God shine his light on you. Let God shine his light on you. Because even though we have those moments of brilliance like David did, we were passionate for God dancing half-naked behind the ark saying, Jesus rocks. We have those other moments too. If you would, just bow your heads right now and take some time to let God speak to you. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for giving us freedom. For giving us freedom from this world. Freedom from ourselves. Freedom from the sin that brings us down and that takes us away from your path. God, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to see those things in our life where we need to come to you and ask for forgiveness. As David did throughout the Psalms, Lord, to repent and to turn to you. And Lord, fill us with the knowledge that we know as we move forward from today that we're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to stay on your path. Help us to, to acknowledge those times and to find our way back to you. God, we thank you that you have given us a Savior, a 
Savior whose death and resurrection assures our eternal life and our freedom from this sin. And that one day when we meet you face to face, we will be perfect. God, I thank you for that knowledge. I thank you that you are a God that saves. 